Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. No Rudy revolution in Lyon as the new manager's former assistant and Dijon hold on to a nil-nil for Garcia's first. Elsewhere, in the absence of the MCN, Angel Di Maria proves to be the best player in Ligue 1. And Lille fall again ahead of the Champions League against a Toulouse side that actually plays attacking football. I'm your host, Pierre-Paul Birmingham. Now, Arsenal are 1-0 down to Sheffield United at the moment, so hopefully I'll be in a better mood at the end of the pod than currently. But if Aubameyang and company can't help achieve that, maybe our great panel will be able to today. We have Tony Thomas. Hey, Tony. Hello. How are you guys? Very good. How are you? Great. And Muhammad Ali, you're back from holiday. Yes, yes. It's been, uh, it's been three weeks since I was last on. So, yeah, glad to be yeah. back. Great to, have, great to have you back. Hope it was a good holiday. Yes, yes, it was. Very well. Right, let's go straight into it then with that Lyon-Dijon match on Saturday afternoon. Tony, nil-nil, what did you make of it? Yeah, no, it, you know, it, it, you would at least hope there would be this like honeymoon period where, you know, they, they would come out swinging, but it was just so flat. And uh, I think somebody references it being the most boring match of the year. Um, but I mean, that's kind of Rudy, right? Like that's that's what he does. I think uh, I think our other uh, host will agree. But, um, you know, it was it was a struggle to watch. Would you agree, Mo? Because Lyon did have some good chances. I mean, yeah, they did. You know, they had a couple of good chances. So Moussa Dembele was unfortunate not to not to get a goal, and uh, the chance that uh, Corne had that Rainer Delad um, had scuppered. I mean, I think nine times out of ten, there probably would be a score there. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you're right, Tony. I think I agree. It's it's a confidence issue that they. They really screwed up at the weekend, and I think the difference is that with, you know, with new managers coming, you expect there to be a bounce, but that's only if the players have been like really, really shoddy um, in in the previous weeks. And Leon probably weren't. They're just a side that lacks confidence, that lacks a swagger that you know they showed in their first couple of games. Um, you know, they scored all at nine goals um, in the first two games, and only five since. So five goals in two months. For a side, uh, you know that boasts the attacking talent they have. So, you know, and Dijon was, you know, were always going to be a tough outfit. They're a side on the up now, having uh, not lost any of their last four games. Um, mm. they, they were easy to find out. Um, I thought Leon. They were easy to sort of just rough up, absorb the attacking pressure that you know that they offered, um, and the fact that they couldn't convert the really really good chances they had just showed that, you know, up front they've got either players that are not confident in their ability at the moment um, or in the case of Dembele that they're not as sharp as they would have liked and that's partly due to Silvino um, you know messing around and tinkering with the with the players that he's lined up uh, I expect that to change but um, yeah it was a very disappointing uh, result for them on Saturday mm. Tony for for anyone who didn't see do you want to fill us in on, on how the Lyon fans received Garcia Oh yeah, definitely came out to a to a boo. Uh, but just to touch on one thing, Mo said I I also did like though uh, our when he got into the um, into more of that like that central role, like the number ten area. Uh, I did think he created a couple good chances, so I just wanted to agree with him there. Um, but no, Rudy mm-hmm. came out to to uh, what what you would expect, and they definitely let him know uh, that they would be very short with their patience. <laughs> 
but it was interesting as well because there was messages from the fans and also a little bit from from Olas saying that you know the kind of putting the players in the line of fire now saying okay this is the third manager this year yeah the players are the common thread what, what do you make of that well i mean i i don't think anyone could say like hey like um the, the talent's not there of course the talent's there but i think it's just that fight you know like i said come out swinging you know you would expect that like at least for that honeymoon period uh to have a new manager no matter who it is like no matter who the manager is a fresh start you you would think you'd see that spark uh and just have the fight because when when things aren't going well um and in a match the one thing you could look to is is fight intensity and uh, those sort of things um but I, I was really hoping to to well maybe it will come but to get a player like john lucas on who is a scrappy player uh to maybe kind of set the tone but i thought tusar did that a little bit early on but i thought it kind of um uh, was dimmed as, as the match went on Mm. And, and what do you make of Thiago Mendes, who is kind of particularly criticized at the moment? I, I think it has to, it's a bit deserved. Um, you know, prior to early on in the season, the first few matches, I thought he, his uh, work rate was, was good. I thought, you know, he was, you know, something's missing there. I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if it's confidence. I, I'm not really quite sure, but I don't think it's def I don't think it's on his shoulders of what's going on. Um, and maybe he is being played a bit out of position also. Uh, so mm. maybe we'll see it uh, come together here. Hopefully. Yeah. And, and Mo credit where credit is due. Alfred Gomes, the Senegalese international in goal for Dijon had a, had a wonderful match. Yeah. He had, he had a great game. He made a couple of numerous stops. I quite liked uh, his double save uh, in in the second half from Cornet and then and Renard de Led. Um and I think you know it's, I'm not going to sort of demean his performance by saying Leon sort of made it easy with for him, um, but he definitely uh, his performance definitely helped his side get over the line in terms of gaining a point. Um, yeah, yeah, and and also Steffi Mavididi on loan from Juventus, who scored his first goal. I think it was in the last match for Dijon. Uh, he he showed some creativity in this one, don't you think? Yeah, he showed he showed a couple of good moments. Um, particularly, I thought um, I think it was in the uh, first half um, with his chance uh, that almost caught Lopez. Um, yeah, uh, you know, diving uh, just to tip the ball over the bar. He showed some good mo- movement off the board, um, but I wouldn't say you know. I mean, he showed some moments of brilliance. Um, you know, with, you know, with his eye for goal, with his movement off the ball, with his connection with the with the, with the uh, attacking players at Dijon, but the fact that you know it was a defensively minded game that they set out, so you know to have to still shine briefly um, in the midst um, a, a highly defensive setup or defensive focus from from the visitors showed you know that is he's got a good platform to build, and then we'll see how it goes, especially when Dijon will obviously continue to try and you know seek the goals and and uh, try and uh, gain the front foot uh, when they play uh, similar opposition so in the next couple of weeks it'll be interesting to see how he sort of builds on that yeah and um and an interesting quote after the match from from rudy garcia which you almost sort of repeated yourself there mo and but we've all heard it before from him he said yeah if we were to play that match again 10 times nine times nine times out of ten we would win it. <laughs> I mean, he needs to just change the bloody record. <laughs> <For> the, um, <laughs> uh, 
there's one thing that I don't think we've touched upon. I don't know if you've touched on last week's pod, um, but you know Garcia um, at Leon. I mean, you know, I think Saturday was in terms of sort of the match. It was an easy low hanging fruit uh, to pick and to mm. sort of appease the fans, and and he didn't. And you know the 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 jibes are still there, the whistles are still there, etc. Apart from a very fluky win in Leipzig, which. On, on paper, you know, it was a fantastic result in terms of the Champions League aspirations. But if you look at the balance of play, it was, it was a fluky result in, in terms of where the two goals came from. And then the results either side of that fixture. Um, you know, there's just, you know, there's there's not a lot happening. I mean, with Garcia coming in hamstrung because of the fact that all the you know fans were against him, the fact that he's heavily criticised Leon in the past as, as Marseille mm. coach. And then add to the fact that he's also not bringing in his own staff and it's basically a, a two-man, three-man job uh, with, uh, I think, was it a fitness coach? No, a position analyst coach and one, one only one assistant, whereas in Marseille he had, you know, his whole entourage of uh, of coaching staff. Um, I, I really don't see sort of how this is going to sort of work, um, particularly that, you know, Leon are on the run of, I think, their worst run in 30, 40 years, I think, if I'm, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then sure if you look at, and then if you look at the next five games, two of which are very important Champions League fixtures against Benfica, who are obviously no pushover. You've got Marseille coming in in three weeks, uh, a trip to the Velodrome for Lyon. In between, uh, you know, a Toulouse and Mets, um, you know, results that should be victories for for Lyon, but. Who've struggled against the likes of Brest and Dijon, you know, you don't know which way of that is going to go. So before the next international break, which is really not that far away, you know, Lyon could really find themselves in hot water both in the league and uh, and in Europe. So I'm not exactly sure, you know, what mm. Rudy Garcia needs to do is really, you know, continue to work hard and make hard decisions. I mean, he made a couple of decisions in in Marseille where. Yeah, he 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 sent players packing very early on. Um, like sort of, Abdinor, for example, didn't get a look in from the beginning. Orlando was also tries for quite quite a while, etc. Um, he needs to start doing the same um, at Lyon for players that you know need an extended time on the bench and not not pick up these easy wins where he tries to be, you know appeal to the fans of oh we win nine times out of ten and bring those excuses. A lot of Lyon fans know exactly what type of character he is. Um, and bringing on the likes of Ryan Cherky towards the end of the game just to appease the fans in the same <laughs> way that he did for Camara and Lopez. You know, oh, well, you know, I'm bringing on young players. That's not going to help their development. At the moment, it's not... Leon are not looking towards, you know, future development. They're looking to improve on their 17th uh, place standard. So he's got definitely his work cut out and he just needs to focus on the training pitch and not in the media this time. And obviously one of the cases that's going to be hard to manage at Lyon as it has been for the past past couple of managers is Memphis Depay. Uh, Tony, Depay is coming back in the squad for the match against Benfica this week. So is Leo Dubois. Um, Marsal has pulled out, however. Do you think uh, the return of Depay and Dubois can, can boost Lyon or, you know, how, how is it going to work out? I do. I do simply because I think Memphis does bring a bit of fight to the match. Um, you know, it's that's one thing that can be said about him is, is you know, <laughs> sometimes it's too much. But I, I think it's needed right now, especially when you're going up uh, against Benfica, who I, they haven't won yet, I don't think. 
Um, so they're going to be they're going to be uh, out to win or at least out to, you know, to, to make a statement uh, before, you know, conceding. So I really think they need that type of energy and they need that type of 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 mentality on on the uh, on the pitch. So I think it'll be quite helpful to have Memphis back in this instance. Benfica are second in their league. They haven't won yet in the Champions League, I think, as you mentioned. Uh, but they're coming off a 4-0 win in the Portuguese Cup against the lower division side, in fairness, back on Friday. Are you confident playing away to them? No, I'm not. Uh, I really <laughs> think they're going to come out swinging. Uh, like I said, I, I don't see them, you know, just, uh, you know, kind of putting it together to the side to see, you know, to sail off. I, I think they'll be here to, to win a match. And it, especially with Leon it, facing those type of uh, confidence issues and, and just kind of lacking a real cohesive uh, um, um, starting 11 with, with the mentality, just all, all those type of things that we, we're seeing right now. I just don't see them strolling in to get a win. So I'm not confident at all. Um, I, I really hope that we see... Um, just a, a start of a shift in mentality, and I really think that's that's where it's starting and where where it could could there could be some improvements. It's just mentality and and those that effort, um, because like we've all said, the talent's definitely there. Any predictions, score wise or, or other, for that one? Uh, for myself, I'm gonna say a draw. Um, uh, maybe two two. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. I'm gonna go for two 0 Benfica. Oof, okay. That's, that's rough. Because, that's rough. I mean that's only because it's not it's not so much it's not so much anything to do with Leon, but I think the two sides are you know, a bit at extremes at the moment and I think considering that Benfica have lost their first two Champions League games, it's now or never right uh, for them. And they normally do sort of, you know, put in a shift when they're expected to. And given the fixture is gonna be also at the uh the stadium, stadium of light as well. So um yeah, I expect Benfica to sort of get off the ground. Yeah, I mean, I would sort of expect that as well. But Lyon are always so unpredictable that uh, we'll see how it goes. I and mean, just look at Rudy yeah. Garcia's European record as well. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Where <laughs> well, they yeah, do away games. Oh, I don't remember specifically for away games. But they had one very good year, as I'm sure you passionately remember. Yes. Which was um, a lot of fun. Which, again, you know, they only won, I think, once <laughs> from home. <laughs> we have it to to Bilbao. Um, yeah. In that whole in that whole scenario, so yeah. <laughs> and obviously, go. they lost in Lyon, so it's full circle yeah. for Garcia. It should be his second second uh, European game at the stadium as well. So yeah. <laughs> so um, on to the next uh, Champions League team who uh, also struggled over the weekend, and that, that was Lille, playing away to Toulouse, and Toulouse's new manager, Antoine Comboiré. Now, I, I don't think a lot of people expected uh, Comboiré and, and his, you know, his Toulouse side to come out the way they did, kind of, you know, guns blazing, uh, as you say, Tony. Um, it, was, it was a very surprisingly offensive lineup to begin with, don't you think? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so for me, I that's what I wanted to see from Leon. Um, I, mm. I it was that you know uh, uh, honeymoon type uh, atmosphere where the, we have a fresh start. Let's make the most of it. 
Um, they do have a few attacking pieces. I've always been um, a big fan of Unker, uh, so it was nice to, to, to see him kind of finding a home in Toulouse. Um, uh, Gardel, he's very good. Uh, so you've seen them come out swinging. You've seen that uh, that momentum change um, early on. Um, it seems like there was cross after cross coming in. I I those like it could have been two zero um, early on. I think they had at least two off the post, and it, it was just really nice to watch. But it's hard to kind of grade um, you know the performance just because it did just feel like okay you know they were you know, happy to be playing decent football. Yeah, William Venker, a uh, good match from him, as, as you mentioned. Maxalen Gradel scored a penalty, but also missed one. He's got a pretty poor record, actually, and he's missed four of his last six. Um, the one he missed, he did this weird little hop thing before, you know, when they kind of yeah, bounce yeah. on the same foot twice, um, which seemed like a, it always seems like a bad idea to me. Um, anyways. Um, Joseph uh, <laughs> Martinez seems to be the only one who could pull it off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But and Mo, another another positive surprise for Toulouse was uh, Yaya Sanogo with a goal and some good chances as well. Yeah, no, he he looked you know very much up for it. I thought, I mean, look, it's a confidence issue, like I said, uh, with regards to the Lyon game, and I think um, mm. the Toulouse game is just a complete opposite. You've got a manager that comes in, a heavily experienced manager that knows exactly what what needs to be done to get his team set to the objectives of they. Uh, they're assigned to and then the players are very very much g'd up to that um, whereas you see at Garcia Leon were very much insipid in Toulouse they were like you mentioned all guns blazing the players were were right onto it and even like Sanogo who came in uh, into the game afterwards mm. um, you know had had the confidence with that you know overhead kick that clattered off the post uh, you had uh, Gradel with a crossbar as well you know you had players that were you know really, really fighting uh, for the result and fighting to implement and, you know, sort of developing some sort of identity under their new coach. Who knows how, how you know, how long it lasts, but, you know, Sonogo had sort of the, the swagger that was missing um, from Lyon's attackers um, um, against Dijon. And, and you know, it's, I, I think, I think it was an expected result uh, for Toulouse and it's more for, not not so much for the hosts, but Lille being very very poor away from home, they're they're very um, what's the word? Um, very meek almost. Um, mm. you, know, you know, out of they played five away games, only two points, not a lot of goals scored. But whereas they've got four wins and one draw at home, I don't know what exactly the reason for that is. But you know, having a heavily heavily young squad that's not sort of developing under you know the comforts of at the home stadium and and being at home with all your fans etc they they're very you know stop start they're very uh, inconsistent um and that sort of enabled to lose who just basically had one goal to impose themselves because some of these players you know they're basically playing on first impressions um you know to to impress the coach to impress yeah. the coach who's with a very long record in Liga um and who who's known to get you know make make his uh, decisions very very quickly um so there's sort of nowhere to hide especially having you know really struggled in the last four games where they've been very very poor uh, to lose um now at home they need to show what what needs to be done and you know they it could have been more it could have been more 
than the 2-1 victory, but yeah. it just shows the potential that Toulouse have. And I actually, you know, while doing my, my research before the game, you know how Toulouse in, in the spring are always suffering uh, with relegation troubles or, you know, looking to plot the great escape. Um, mm. So for the fact that they've already, you know, sort of only lost four times in the first 10 games, I thought they weren't having too bad a season for Casanova to be sacked. But this is actually their worst start to the campaign um, for, <laughs> you know, eight, eight of the last nine seasons, which I found very, very surprising. Wow. Um, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is not that, this is a very below average start for them. Um, so I thought I've got the reasons why, but, you know, I think what they need to do, and we mentioned this right in the first couple of podcasts, Paul, Pierre Paul, um, was that they need to sort of decide what team they're going to be. Are they going to be a team that pushes for the top 10? being a mainstay or are they going to be a team that just struggles to keep their head above water for eight percent of the season and then one day they'll just suffer the inevitable um <laughs> so i think that's why they've decided to change coach the players recognize that kumbuara recognizes that and hopefully that will be the first step um into you know chaining the win especially at home i think the home results are very very important so they've got leon coming up next uh, at the stadium um uh, in, in a couple of weeks um so again that would be a very key fixture but i thought they were good value yeah and, and you were right to mention that uh you know the players were selected essentially on first impressions because i think anton kumbare said before the match that he had not followed the league at all since you know since leaving his last job <laughs> uh which is always a little surprising to hear that kind of admission uh tony for lille I mean, Mo touched on this a little bit, but it seems like they have also a, you know, they seem to struggle ahead of ahead of um, Champions League matches. Before the Ajax match, they beat Amiens, but almost gave up the lead, uh, really, you know, in difficulty at the end of the match. They drew against Nice before Chelsea, and now they have Valencia during the week, uh, and they've lost going into that. Is it is it just too heavy a calendar for them? Are they s- struggling to concentrate or, you know... What's the problem? Well, Mo touched on it. It's it's the youth, right? Because when you have these mm. young players, they definitely have the ability to play. Uh, you want to play in these big matches. You want to play on, you know, in the spotlight. But I think you might overlook some of, uh, you know, especially a league match going into such a, a large fixture, especially after, you, I think, you know, losing both. But they, they did do better uh, in, in the last Champions League match. Um, but it's just a focus issue, uh, you know, kind of looking over the match, I think. Um, like I said, it's hard to grade because, you know, Toulouse just came out swinging, but they they didn't defend wide. Um, a ton of crosses came in, and, you know, it, it really just probably is more of a focus issue than anything. Um, but they are a super young team. I don't really think... Um, I don't think... Um, uh, the owner uh, Lopez. I don't think he, you know, kind of figured to be in this position that we have them in. Uh, mm-hmm. Meaning that they're kind of the, you know, the 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 second team in Ligue 1 right now. Um, you know, obviously not on the table, but we kind of well, hope off they of will. last season, yeah, right. You know, we just kind of hope they will be. We we just need somebody to to get some, you know, continuity together and string some wins together and put up some points on the table to 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 so PSG don't run away with it. And, you know, we just, I guess, I think everyone's just praying that it would be Leo, but I think they thought this through and they kind of know who they are. Um, they're a young team. And I think over time, you know, they'll, they'll kind of, you know, 
incrementally get better and be a little more solid before these, you know, going into these heavier seasons when they're playing European uh, football and, um, you know, they be able to manage the table a bit better. Yeah, and and Christophe Galtier, the manager, was saying that the hardest thing in, in high-level sports is to confirm or, or reproduce results. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's definitely showing up this uh, this season for Lille. Ahead of their match against uh, Valencia, joining us now to talk about Valencia, Clinton McDovis. Hey, how's it going? Hi, I'm great. Uh, very pleased has, to be here. Has your love for uh, Danny Parejo reached new heights after what <laughs> happened the other day? Oh yes, I was I was over the moon with um, the, the goal that he scored, and it was just a brilliant performance all around. Absolutely love him. So tell us a little bit about how Valencia is doing so far this season. What can we expect against uh, against Lille this week? Well, in truth, um, it's very hard to know what Valencia team turns up. We are a bit like Lille in that regard because um, we have a new manager whom, um, who who came in when everything wasn't so busy and there was a lot of... Um, behind the scenes um, crisis, let me put it that way. There's a lot going on behind the scenes and he, he came in as someone that the fans didn't want, the players didn't want and all of that. But um, in the last few weeks, things have steadied a bit and um, we're starting to see what he likes to do. When when we go away from home, he likes to play um, a three-man midfield, which is different from what we used to play before, which is 4-4-2. He likes to play with Kokolan, Kondogbia and Parejo. So Coquelin is like the guy that becomes a right midfielder when we uh, don't have the ball. And then when we do have the ball, he, he comes into the center and, and we're able to orchestrate like that. So in recent time, we've steadied our, our performances a bit, even though the um, Ajax game was absolutely horrible. And <laughs> um, I mean, we lost that 3-0 at home. But apart from that, um, I think there's been a lot of positives in recent weeks and this Atletico game was also a positive because in the first half we were not really um, good and imposing but in the second half we took control of the game completely and we could have won that game. So um, I think um, things have changed recently, maybe in the last two, three weeks performances have improved but we still aren't sure what to expect sometimes because we're going to some games and um, we completely don't know what's going on. With, with the players and all of that. So hopefully we see the, the best of Valencia and so that we can have a spectacle of a game and best of Lille as well. Yeah, yeah and tell us a little, how have um, Francis Coquelin and, uh, and Geoffroy Condogbia been doing with, with Valencia? Oh, they've been fantastic. Um, Good to hear. Over the past um, two years, yeah. Um, Condogbia came in in 17-18 and... Not a lot of people were enthusiastic about his arrival because he had just scored that own goal for Inter in the um, against oh, right. the um, <laughs> that famous own goal, and he had been so bad in Italy. So um, we didn't really know what to expect or why we were even linked with him because it seemed like where is this coming from? And we already we already had a lot of issues with underperforming players and all of that. But then I, I remember his debut against um, Real Madrid. He just arrived like two, three days before to Valencia. He didn't even really get to train. Just arrived and then went to Santiago Benevo. And by the end of that game, all the fans were won over. 
Like everybody just said, okay, okay. We see why we wanted to sign this guy. And that season, I think he was our best player. That 17-18, he was our best player. Pyro was um, a close second, but Kondogba was incredible. I can't forget his game against Sevilla in Seville, where he, he delivered two brilliant assists for Rodrigo and just completely dominated the game. And I remember Marcelino talking about it um, because about three, four days later, um, Manchester United played against Sevilla and, you know, that was when Pogba was in that game. And then um, Didier called up, didn't call up um, Kondogbia after the Sevilla performance. And Marcelino was complaining, as our former manager, was complaining about it, saying, oh, come on, look at look at how he performed. I mean, you can compare his performance with Paul Pogba and see how, you know, it, it stands out and all of that. And it just went to show that you know he was really performing at a high level unfortunately last season he had a lot of injuries so he wasn't really you know able to perform but this season he's he's picked up a bit he still hasn't reached full fitness so we're not so sure you know Mm. there's still a bit of um doubt to him sometimes he makes some mistakes and all of that but i think he's getting back to form as for francis (laughs) cockerlan absolutely everybody's in love with cockerlan everybody (laughs) was gabriel paulista Suggested that we sign Cockerland in January. He suggested it to Marcelino. That was January in 17 18 as well. And everyone mm. was wondering also um, why do we need a defensive midfielder now? Like, we have Kondoga playing really well, so he's probably going to sit on the bench. But I tell you, <laughs> Cockerland just came in. And I think it, it took a week or two before everybody was on the Cockerland train. He absolutely <laughs> smashed it. His passion, his. We started seeing things that we didn't expect because, of course, a lot of if you looked at Cochrane at Arsenal, he, he operated more like a destroyer. And when Santi Cazzola, um got injured, he he wasn't able to take up, you know, reach the expectations that and the extra burden that had been placed on him. No, but, but the, their partnership about, was a thing of, of yeah, wonder. Yeah, yeah, and at yeah, their exactly. peak, I never understood why why Deschamps never called up Cochrane. Because he was, honestly, I think around 14, 15, he was very, very good. But, exactly. Sorry, yeah. I, I remember that he was he was great. And then um, Cazola got injured and people started yeah. to doubt him and his ability. But in Valencia, when he arrived and started playing, I remember he played as a right midfielder, played as a left midfielder. He played almost as a right back, played as a DM, a CM. He played everything. <laughs> and we're seeing aspects of this game that we didn't believe he even had like he was throwing um outside of boot passes he was no way he calling him Zidane at some point <laughs> calling him Zidane. it was incredible and i remember the copa del rey final some months back coquelin was incredible there was a particular um sequence towards the end of the game when we we're trying to defend the lead where coquelin hit five tackles in the space of about 20 seconds and about three of them were on messi and he won the ball each time like he it was <laughs> everybody just went crazy. Like, who is this guy? He's just amazing as a huge fan favorite. Well, I, I still don't know why, you know, he's not he's not in the France setup. He really, really should be there. I remember I, I know Conductor has changed um now. He's moved to um he's gone back to C R Central. Yeah. Oh oh yeah, sorry. C R yeah. So I guess he, he got tired of waiting for another call up. But Cochran really should be in the France squad to be honest, because he's been and amazing. Are some of the other French players getting game time as well? Kevin Gamero, Eliakim Mangala, and uh, Mukhtar Diarabi? Uh, um, 
Gamero became a starting striker sometime okay. last season, in the middle of the season. He didn't start the season properly, like in form, but sometime around January, he picked up form. And he, I think he, he lost some weight, he got into shape, and he really just came out. And he became a really important player for us. He was huge in our Copa del Rey triumph, scored in the finals, scored in the, um, create, created, um, assisted two goals in the semifinals, and also scored in the quarterfinals. So he was, he was just amazing for us. And he became a starter. So now he's, he's basically first choice. Maxi Gomez, who just joined his, his second choice now. But um, Diakabi, was another surprise. I, I guess there's something with us and French players. Because <laughs> when Mukhtar came, he was supposed to be fourth choice. In fact, I think fifth choice. He, he was a signing for the future. But it was said that Marcelino was so impressed with him in training that he quickly started elevating him. I remember his um, debut was against Atletico at Mestaya. Um, in that game, I think Gabriel Paulista was getting troubled. No, Garay, Garay, Ezekiel Garay was getting troubled by Diego Costa. Then Garay went off injured, and Marcelino threw in Diakabi, and that was the end of Costa in that game. Like we did not have to bother about Costa again for the rest because Diakabi bullied him out. And you know how difficult it is to bully Diego Costa. So from there, um, Diakabi immediately um, rose to third choice from fifth choice, and we've gotten rid of the two defenders that were ahead of him since, since that so time. So he's starting? And, uh, no, no, he's not starting. Oh. Well, listen, Clinton, thanks for coming on and sharing, with, uh, sharing your knowledge of Valencia with us, and absolutely. I hope to have you on some other time. Oh, absolutely delighted to be here. Thank you. A surprising story out of Lille as well today that uh, Ludovico Bragnac, who's a obviously a former great from the club, is running for municipal council with the uh, Republican party, uh, which is uh, the kind of uh, mainstream right-wing party in France. So surprising to see such a, such a skillful lefty switch <laughs> to that side. <laughs> um, but they typically don't win much in Lille. Right. Um, on to PSG. The mighty PSG with another big win on Friday ahead of uh, their their Champions League match against Bruges. Uh, Tony, so 4-1 final score for PSG against Nice. How good was Di Maria and how good was that chip? It was unreal. It was like only Di Maria would have even take, uh, taken the shot. Um, and it, it was just so good. I, I really was like, <laughs> I had to pause it, rewind it, pause it, rewind it. I was like, did he really <laughs> have the audacity to, to do that? But no, he, he's been excellent. And, you know, it's almost been since um, uh, last year when he, there was almost, there was a point when we almost like um, wrote him off, like, okay, you know, it's time for him to, you know, kind of fade away. And he really kind of got this fire uh, uh, under him to 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 show everyone, like, yeah, I'm still I'm still Di Maria. Um, and he, he's been really good this year. Um, I mean, besides that, the, the, the match was a little um, frustrating for me, especially with the, how it finished. But Di Maria was uh, was box office for sure. Yeah, Mo, he really seems to step up in, in the absence of. Uh, kind of Neymar in particular. How compatible are they on you know on the ideal day when everyone is fit for for PSG? I think he's, um, you know, I think he's effective 
whether they're on the field or not. I think mm-hmm. it's just the fact that um, people don't really see the, the the impact that Di Maria has because obviously Neymar grabs the headlines with you know late minute you know last minute goals or or whatnot earlier this season or when Mbappe breaking whatever sort of record. But I feel that you know it's been a long time since Di Maria had like a very very poor game. Um, he's 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 been heavily effective for them. He's he's grabbed not just the goals but also numerous assists as well. Um, he's always been a very key player, and I just think that he steps up to to take the mantle uh, when the sort of the figureheads are missing, um, you know, as he did. And if you, it's not just in in the England, but also in the Champions League, if you saw uh, you know Manchester United for for a, you know, that's, a, that's a good example, he's always propped up. Uh, when when needs to be, it was you know a bit of a shame they didn't get a hat trick um, mm. uh, on, <laughs> on Friday. But uh, he's he's always been for me, I think a very very good player for 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 Paris. Uh, one you might even say that's a little little bit underappreciated that goes under the radar because for sure. Mbappe, uh, Neymar, but also Cardinal as well. Um, but to, if there's one player that you know, absolutely gets the job done. It's uh, it's, it's Di Maria, and he showed that with a very good goal on Friday as well. Yeah, Kylian Mbappe also got a goal and an assist, uh, despite only coming on in the 83rd minute, uh, which kind of confirms this season that even though he hasn't played much, he's been very efficient anytime he's on the pitch, getting those numbers in. And obviously, the the common thread between you know, kind of what Di Maria and, and, and what Mbappe achieved, Tony, was Mauro Icardi, who's, you know, hooked, uh, linked up very well with both those players on different occasions and seems to be fitting in quite nicely up at the front of that PSG lineup. Absolutely. I mean, I was actually uh, shocked they, they got him. Um, I, I think more than others were. Uh, I, I've always thought he was an excellent player, um, and especially with that, you know, it's a, all... All, uh, all, all attack in the front. You know, there's mm. so much speed, and he just fits right in with that sort of with that sort of play. Um, he, he's he's honestly at this point, it's kind of seemed like he's underrated to me. It's kind of odd how um, I, I hear um, him being referenced sometimes. Um, but no, for the, for what they're trying to do and uh, how flexible he he makes everything. It, there's so much they could do with him and Mbappe. It, it's almost unfair. <laughs> yeah. And Mo, we should mention that from, from Nice's perspective, they believed they could go back, they could get back into the game. Uh, they were 2 0 down at halftime, I think, scored yeah. one and, and looked better. But that was before getting back to back red cards. Unreal red cards. Exactly. I think it was a bit too harsh as well. I mean, they really stepped it up after that. Uh... Of Kimbembe that allowed Bolberg and uh, Gennar go in. Um, and I thought the momentum was with them a little bit, but it just it just stopped after those two red cards, which I think we would all agree were was, was absolutely harsh. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Um, but what, you know, what can you say after that? It was 11 mm. against 9, um, and PSG were able, like you mentioned, Mbappe able to really add the gloss um, to... to to the result um, with you know the space that it provided, I thought it was very unfair for the referee to to send Cipriano for for a yellow card 
Um, and then for for Harel, obviously, mm. when things were boiling over. I think the LFP personally, I mean, this could be, this could go into a bit of a ramp. I'll try and avoid it. But I think that they really need, you know, there has to be something uh, done with stands of refereeing because I think that it's, it's, um, it's really slipping this year, if not in previous years. But with the addition of the VAR, um, you know, I don't know whether that's had an impact, but I feel like definitely the standards have dropped. Um, and you just end up with interesting games, exciting games, um, as, as that potential, uh, you know, the potential that Nice PSG had when it was like 2 1 with about 15 20 minutes to go abruptly stopped because of, mm. you know, something as silly as that. I think that needs to change. Yeah, and I would, with regards to VAR, I I would probably favor an approach similar to the one in the Premier League, where it seems that in the Premier League, you know, VAR has been very minimal, uh, reversing very few decisions apart from offsides, which you know tend to be more uh, factual. And I definitely th- think that in Ligue 1, sometimes. You know they slow it down and everything. They watch the replay and and it it just comes to absurd levels of debate over what's wrong and so on. And yeah, I I would agree with with you on that one, Mo. Um, for for Nice, obviously now they're gonna miss Cyprien and and Erel for at least one match, maybe maybe more. And that that's four matches without a win for Patrick Vieira and, and his men. Should we be concerned? Um, I don't know, not yet, um, not yet, because aside from the, you know, the PSG game is very much a write-off for everybody, um, and the other two games were non Monaco, a Monaco side who really treated that game as all or nothing, and non mm-hmm. are in the top, top half, uh, or in the second place rather. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow. So, yeah. yeah, somehow, still there. <laughs> um, and then, and then the other one was a draw against Lille, so, I mean, results are not too bad considering where they are i mean they're still 11th um having you know just lost half their games and you know mm. the draw before that um the results were very 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 good just before that run uh, in which you could probably say they overachieved given their um the squad depth and, and the upheaval that they saw in late summer so i think things have just corrected themselves a little bit and hopefully um in the coming games they can sort of just eke out uh, a win uh win or two to put them up yeah uh, into the top half and and being 11th doesn't really mean anything at the moment given how tight everything is they're only no. yeah they're four points from champions league and four points from from bottom so <laughs> it could go anyway <laughs> yeah exactly um so as i said earlier psg play bruges this week uh bruges from belgium I mean, Bruges did, they do have two points from two games in the, in the Champions League so far, uh, including, you know, that spectacular draw with Real Madrid. Uh, but we're probably more confident on this one than on the previous ones. No disagreement. Sounds um, good. Well, it, it depends. Um, it depends how PSG approaches game. Obviously, it's clearly the small matter of the Marseille game at the weekend. Uh, PSG have looked you know, comfortable in the Champions League. They've got, you know, a very talented squad. Will they take the time to, to uh, you know, ring the changes, rest a couple of players, 
um, try out some new things. And if they do, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is that game away from home? Or I, I suppose it's in Belgium. Um, um, yeah, it's in Belgium. Check that? Yeah, yeah it's, it's in, in Belgium because uh, you know, Bruges were away it's Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, like it's one of those games that has the small possibility of things to trip up. But PSG have, you know, in those sort of games, they have just got the job done, even with a B team or the C team as well. Um, so, uh, you know, I obviously I think definitely PSG will get or should get three points. I wouldn't be surprised if if it just ends up in a sort of a, a score draw um, because of the side that PSG have brought up because of the changes that they've made uh, with one eye on Marseille at the weekend. I, yeah. I, I almost thought like they, they, they might want to go for a draw just to kind of, you know, just, I mean, Real Madrid are struggling, but they're still Real Madrid and you almost could you try to hedge your bet a bit, you know, and, and hmm. you know go for a draw there it, just to... Tr- to, to try to ensure Real Madrid uh, are seen out, uh, it, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if, they, if they'll go that far <laughs> in their level of thinking, but <laughs> um, yeah, they should be okay. One, I mean, one thing before we uh, close out PSG chat, I just just noticed. I mean, I know I didn't want to, I didn't really. Uh, I said earlier tonight that I didn't really um, matter or care a lot for the Ballon d'Or nominations, but I thought it was a bit surprising that Neymar wasn't on it at all whatsoever. Um, well, he he's barely played this year, Exactly, he? he's barely played, but yeah. he's barely played, but considering the goal records and the fact that he you know, was still nominated for, for a league and player of the season and all that sort of behaviour, um, hmm. I'm surprised that he's, he's, he's completely missed out. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, let's move on to uh, some of our Europa League teams and uh, we'll get to Marseille eventually, Mo, don't worry. <laughs> um, let's begin with yesterday's match between Bordeaux and Saint-Étienne, uh, which, uh, Tony, it's, it's been described as a hold-up <laughs> from Saint-Étienne. You know, honestly, I, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see a... a um... A defensive board I guess I don't know how you put it but uh, uh, a team you know that just kind of squeaks out a win I, like you know everyone's going for these you know three five uh, three five two formations now and uh, I think St. Etienne did also but it definitely was a defensive minded uh, setup but both of these teams are, are on the right track I think um, it, it just you know who I didn't I wouldn't think it would been it would have been Bordeaux that uh, would have been the team that I say, yes, this team is doing okay here. But uh, I like the way they're headed. I I actually enjoyed the game. And, um, you know, it it was a decent finish for St. Etienne. They're on the right track. Yeah, no, certainly. I'm, you know, I've been surprised by Bordeaux this season as well. They had plenty of of chances, Uh, you know, great shots from from Camano, from Adli, from from Huang and others. But, uh, a good match back and goal from from Stéphane Ruffier. Classic. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mo, that's two wins and two for, for Claude Purel since he's arrived in Saint-Étienne with two very late winners. Yeah. Um, and two very late winners, but on the basis of that, there's two games where the defence has held strong, where where they've they've left, mm. you know, they've really closed their ranks. They've, they've not invited a lot of opportunities uh, from the opposition. And then had the fortune to to make a breakthrough in the last couple of minutes. But I think the whole point 
uh, is that with very little attacking effort or attacking reward rather, they've managed to, you know, scrape six points uh, just by being a resolute outfit, which is what they struggled um, in in the previous uh, weeks where Mets um, in the at the end of the print on the era where where Mets really, um, you know, played them off the park a little bit um, at, at the Grishard where they got battered by Angers as well. So it's good that you know the effects of Puel is is taken hold already. Although again, you know, being such a tight league, uh, Saint-Étienne actually not doing too badly on the face of it. Where you know they've they've uh, only lost four of their ten games, but that's already necessitated a, a coaching change. But you can already see the effect that you know the coach, the new coach, is having you know, the bounce that's expected of that. Um, and and yeah, they're going to be a difficult team to play, I think, going forward because right now they've beaten sizable outfits, rivals, etc., and and look good value for their victory as well. I don't think anybody can mm. can uh, disagree there. Um, and yeah, let's see if you can give me uh, and others a little bit of hope here. Does the does their bounce does the bounce in their form have anything to do with the return of William Saliba William Saliba from injury? That's um, <laughs> I mean a lot of people are very excited by his potential and <laughs> yeah I mean it's clear to that you know the fact that he's I'm not going to say um, you know he's the Messiah that's come <laughs> to guide Saliba up the league table of course not but. It's clear to see that without while he's been injured, and they were absolutely hopeless. I mean, they exceeded four to Angers, three to Ghent, two at Toulouse, got battered by Lille. Um, you know, they were conceding goals all over the place, but the whole defensive outfit has, you know, has improved. But Saliba being, you know, that ball playing centre back, uh, being a bit smoother as well, offering stability where Mukudi, who is as highly rated, has struggled. Um, mm. In, in his absence, um, they're, they're doing well. Yeah, um, some bad news from, from Saint-Étienne is Kevin Monet-Paquet has uh, suffered another uh, cruciate ligament injury. He's been out for most of the calendar year and just as he was coming back, uh, he's now going to miss the rest of the season again. So that's very unfortunate for him. Um, Laurent Koscielny also came off injured for Bordeaux and we, we, we don't know how long yet uh, he's going to be out. Uh, Saint-Étienne play Alexandria from Ukraine on Thursday in the Europa League. Uh, you know, Alexandria have one point so far in their group, but uh, should Saint-Étienne be winning this? Should. Um, yeah. Um, it's hard to say. I can't say I'm a sort of Ukrainian football, but... Uh, <laughs> well, I will that... say it, it's better to play the away match now than it would be in a few weeks because it gets cold there, but... <laughs> I mean, I mean, considering that it's the first of three home games for them, um, I, I assume that, you know, they've got Europa League ambitions as well. Uh, CTN, mm. they've, they've looked good. Alexandria have not done too well. Um, well, not, well, not too badly. They lost to Dino Kiev at the weekend. Um I can see some Etienne too, you know, continuing their sort of, I'd like to say jammy football, but, you know, narrow 1-0, <laughs> one goal victory at home just to get the job done um, and then focus on, on league football. I can see that definitely happening. 
Yeah. Uh, the other Europa League team is Rennes. Um, and so Rennes played against Monaco on Sunday in uh, the, the match between two teams that don't know how to hold a lead. <laughs> uh, 3-2 final score. Tony, this was just chaotic, wasn't it? It was, um, but I guess on the bright side, it does look like Monaco are kind of getting things together offensively. I mean, I know the goals were were, were kind of, uh, like you said, chaotic, but it does look like they are, are getting something together with uh, Ben Yedder and uh, Salami. Um, it, so it, it, I think they have something there, at least offensively. Um, defensively, they, they're still struggling. Um, I know someone asked about like their center backs, and I, I mm. think uh, Jardim said that it, you know, it's this doesn't fall on Glick's back, and I agree. Uh, but if that's the case, I would hope that he would. I mean, like like I said, they're getting something together offensively. So if they make a change, maybe that you know causes them to struggle elsewhere. But the same way Saint Etienne are putting something together as a team, you know, you know, team defense. They definitely need some help uh, defensively because it's been so just just falling over each other, just out of out of position. Mm. Uh, it, it's it's been rough uh, to watch defensively, but and and then Ren have been super disappointing for me. I, I just you know I really thought this might be a, a decent season for them, but it seems like you said they just can't you know. Can't hold a lead, can't keep it together, uh, can't finish a game. Yeah. Um, with regards to Monaco's defending, uh, for, for Adrien Unou's goal for Rennes, Gilles Diaz kind of chipped his own keeper. In a, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a very satisfying chip. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be disappointed with himself. But, <laughs> but uh, and on, on, the, on the other end, yeah, Ben Yedder and, and Slimani. Ben Yedder's top scorer in the league, Slimani has seven assists. They're working out very, very well. Mo, we've gotten questions like almost every week on whether Jardim should leave or buy people or 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 whatever. I'm going to phrase it a little bit differently. Who do you think is going to stay in the job longer, Jardim or, or Julien Stéphane? Um, good question, very good question. I think it would be a bit of a shame you know, if Bridge was here to answer this. I think he'd have a bit of insight. On this, but hmm. I'd be surprised if if Ren dispensed with Stefan any time, just because the going's getting tough a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think they they were poor. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They were, you know, Ren were very poor. The defense was absolutely chaotic. They're struggling. They haven't won. Well, they haven't. You know, they haven't won, won any of their last nine since August. Yeah. Since, yeah. Um, Especially in the league where they've since that perfect start, things have it's gone downhill. But I think a turnaround will definitely come. Whereas for Monaco, Leonardo Jardim is, you know, Ren took a Ren took a risk of their coach. There's risk that initially paid off. Yeah, there's a few bumps in the road at the moment, but that he, is, he should be rightfully award, you know afforded time. Whereas Monaco, they've basically rehashed. Um, you know, Jardim uh, earlier this year, um, you know, the, the mm. team is not fluid enough. He, he's got patience and, and uh, fielding players who are clearly past it. Camille Glick being a very clear example. Um, he's absolutely, he, the reason why he's still there is because of Islam Suleimani and Wissam Benyeda who are turning into mm-hmm. the, 
a fan, you know, I mean, you've said they're, they're, they're good, but I think nobody has started. No, like, striking duo has started in the form that they have in Liga ever. Um, hmm. You know, eight goals in 500 minutes for Pabineda, five goals and seven assists, and a combination of 12, you know, an impact of 12 goals in seven games for Slimani, who was absolutely worth it. doesn't even seem to be the sort of striker that creates for other strikers either. Um, but such is their combination. It's just been incredible. And without them, two, without those two, without the firepower that they've delivered, Jardin would have walked already. Because even if Saturday was a very chaotic game, there's no clear blueprint from Monaco. It's they'll score, we'll try and score again. You know, they, which is, they, which they, is they so just, unlike them. Exactly. Hmm. Exactly, Tony. So they were very, um, they were very fortunate in that their two players were you know, were had a great wavelength. Keita Balde, you know, had a goal ruled offside, but again, the goal, goal that was ruled offside for him came from an absolutely absurd defensive situation. They only scored in late on after another defensive mix-up where the red players had stopped, thinking that, you know, foul would be awarded, etc. They've been there, honestly, very lucky. It's, it's, it's it, you know, they've conceded 21 goals. I think nearly... <laughs> You know, that's double, nearly double, uh, that well, more than double of that of Dijon in 19th, nearly double of Strasbourg in 20th, etc. It's Camel Glick is getting pushed left, right, and center. He was very meek on Moas's goal. The defense is all over the um, defense all over the place. I don't think Duradam has confidence in Maripan yet. Um, and I, I just I, I can't see it getting better. And it's going to be one of those. Every win we get, we're going to get two defeats and so on and so forth. I'll be surprised if, if Jordan is still in the job in, in December, in December slash January. Yeah. Um, from from Rennes' perspective, they're clearly missing Edouard Mendy in goal as well. I mean, Salin was, was not very good on Sunday. They play, they only have one point so far in the Europe League and they play against Cluj uh, at home on Thursday, which, I mean, it's it's probably a must-win if they want to stay in Europe, but Cluj are Champions League side often. They, they can... I don't think they should be underestimated. Any Anyone else have predictions on this one? Uh, no, I mean, may, maybe they... I know it sounds odd, but maybe they shouldn't. Maybe they should just bow out uh, this round. <laughs> Um, there's not much there, you know, it's yeah. not like they're going to make a run, you know, it might be best to try to f- get, figure something out in the league and, uh, tr- try to make a turn there. But like Mo said, they have, they, they, they really do have the, the, a very solid team and like they should be finishing these games. Um, I mean, I hate referencing St. Etienne so much, uh, but it, just the way they're using that, uh, you know, that three, five, two to, to, to kind of make counterattacks, you know, and to try to and to hold leads, you, you should be seeing this with Red. They have a really good team. I mean, one of my favorite midfielders, young midfielders in the league. Um, they, they have solid. They just have a solid team up and down. So uh, maybe they should just bow out and try to get it figured out in the league. Yeah, I can hear my phone buzzing, which can only mean that Arsenal has lost. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, let's let's move on then. Marseille Strasbourg, Mo two 0 the big Sunday name Sunday night match. 
uh, between two non-European teams. Marseille are up in fourth now. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yes, that's true. Um, Keep talking. Well, it was a, it was a, I think it was a very good performance um, yesterday. It was a controlled game. Um, you have to remember that. I think you know people that will look at the league table think you know Marseille have only won four of the last four of the ten games so far, and um, you know but on the back of this they got three draws against Rennes and and Dijon and Montpellier. Um, but you have to remember in the context of so many players missing, so many key players, that mm. AVB has done a good job. Apart from that freak Emian result, which came on the first day of my holiday and sort of <laughs> ruined, took me a couple of days to get over. Um, <laughs> It's um, it's not been that bad considering um, you know, Benedetto has been amongst the goals. Germain, uh, who didn't uh, who, who wasn't too bad yesterday, has not it's not performed too poorly as a as a right winger uh, in Torvan's absence. Um, and Bradonjic, who is as brainless as they come, um, did manage to string a couple of passes together. Um, yeah, it was it was good. It was a good fortune uh, to to strike early yesterday. Kamara uh, scoring in the third minute, and uh, you know, but at the end of the day, it was a Strasbourg team. That's not exactly the Strasbourg that we've come to know and and love on this podcast. It's 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 a team that have not scored away from home, if I'm correctly uh, saying. Yeah, they've not scored away from home at all. They've only scored six goals in their ten games, and they didn't offer that much of a threat. I think Mambanda only made one save uh, of of note yesterday. Um, the fact the only problem is is that it took so long to cancel or sort of close down the game and they only came in the 90th minute uh, via Strudman penalty. Um, so there are a couple of question marks for Marseille, but the most important thing was to get the three points because there's a very, very big three weeks coming up that will do a lot to dictate what sort of season this will be for Marseille. A huge game on Sunday, of course. Uh Although we'll leave that to the preview show, I guess. But, you know, PSG, always, always an exciting one. 